Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Spirit of Time podcast, Matt. How are you doing today, man? I'm actually pretty fantastic, but it's good to see you. How are you? It's fantastic to see you. Doing well. Uh, staying busy. Um, been up to a bunch of things lately, a bunch of recent outdoor adventure activities. And I say adventure, it's uh, definitely in jest. Uh, just taking the kids all over, you know, some fun things. We were up in Idlewild um, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, for those of you are in, in uh, Southern California, it's sort of an unincorporated uh, town up in the uh, 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 San Bernardino National Forest. Kind of a fun little idyllic mountain town. And uh, and then just the other day, we had uh, the kids up at uh, Mount Wilson at the observatory, or at least kind of just below there and kind of hiked up a little bit. So getting everybody outside, enjoying some some nice weather out here. Um, it feels winterish, but not all the way. And um, it's a busy kids month for us too, because the both of the kids both have birthdays uh, in February. So after the holiday sort of uh, uh, shakedown and the recuperation after that, we, we dive right back into to birthday celebrations and stuff. But uh, it's been good, good, fun, busy month, man. What, what's going on with you? What's new in your world? Well, dude, in terms of new, not very much. Um, I I got my green egg fixed. It's been out of commission for a few months, and I Woo-hoo. finally got, got that thing dialed back in. Right, so yeah, I uh, I broke it back in this weekend with uh, uh, doing a big picanha, you know, uh, the Brazilian style kind of uh, the way that I do it. I leave it all intact and do it like almost like a, a poor man's brisket. Although to be honest, it's it's really good. So we did that. That was fun. Um, you know, we uh, ended up going to the Huntington on Saturday and checking that place out. And the weather was phenomenal. We ended up getting that really blustery, you know, cold front that came through on Saturday afternoon, late in the day. It was, you know, just a the idyllic, like picture perfect, you know, low altitude kind of sky, sky four tenths kind of thing, you know, puffy clouds. And then the rain came in. And it was just, it was a, a fantastic day. Very Grand Seiko. At that place, very Grand Seiko. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, Grand Seiko. It. There's a, a lot of flowing water and bamboo and like flowering, you know, fruit trees. There's you know cherry and plum and everything is pink and f- the leaves are falling all, all off of everything. It was it was great, super cool. Your post, hey, I think you posted about it and it was really it was spot on. It looked like a perfect uh, setting and a perfect pairing for what was on the wrist. Yeah, I I love that place. It's a a great spot. Highly recommended for the SoCal's if you haven't tried it. The Huntington Library. It's a uh, a really great spot. Just a, a perfect kind of oasis here in in Los Angeles County. Good times. Yeah, yeah. No, we. It's funny. We were talking offline, and there's just a lot of really neat little things that we've been up to. And and I think you even made it when you posted about it, just highlighting some of our favorite things in and around Southern California. You know, so Idlewild was super fun. A really like uh, low key fun mountain town vibe. Um, you know, you had hit, hit the Huntington already. 
Um, we actually went to this little place called the Silmar Wildlife Learning Center. So it's in Silmar up in the valley, uh, for those of you who are familiar. And uh, it was just just this fun little, like, you know, kid-oriented wildlife kind of preserve, I guess, if you want to call it that. And, um, and the kids just loved it. You know, they would bring out an armadillo and let them pet it. And, you know, they fed a porcupine and they had the dry, they had bald eagles, actually. It was really cool. They had a couple of really neat, um, really neat uh, uh, inhabitants that I don't... They, I just don't see all the time, even at the zoo or whatever. They had some bald eagles, some really neat foxes, and even some cats. Um, so it was fun. Yeah, go check them out. That's what we love sharing with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of our other favorite things, we do uh, the adult beverage and watches on this particular podcast. What are you wearing today, dude? What's the wrist check? And, and we will not take 45 minutes to do it for those who are, are, are using their, uh, uh, you know, chrono function <laughs> while they listen to pods. <laughs> now we're pretty quick. We're pretty quick. <laughs> That's for our friends over at whiskey and watches. Uh, and I think rich cheese has been jumping on that bandwagon too, playing with that joke. Um, let me start poor check first, because I think, well, actually they're both quite interesting, but I'll get into maybe more about the wrist check too. poor check. Um, newest shipment of Megami latte is in. That's always a fun thing. And we're just a week into March here. So I'm just just now cracking open the, the February offering. So I'm going to start there. And next time we record, I'll jump into March. But the uh, it's an all-female Mescalera pack again, which is pretty neat. I love when they're able to do that. And they're really specific about not doing it just to do it, which is still an important thing to do. But doing it because they're great mezcales and they happen to be from from female producers so i love it it's pretty cool this woman is super young her name is uh, adela del carmen cruz antonio and uh, she is in san dionisio ocotepec which is in oaxaca a very large uh, uh or i should say a very um uh significant amount of mezcal comes out of there and this is a a, a madraquiche so it's a karwinski um for those who are, are sort of you know schooled in that it's a really fun, bright green, punchy agave, typically, and uh, I think she's only like 22, and um, she's a second generation, you know, maestra. And uh, but you know, check out the content on on the game latte. I think she's been like following her dad around and his palenque since she was like five or ten, and, <laughs> and trying to make batches since then. So uh, very cool. So how is it? Mm. That's great. That's great. That's uh, kind of what you expect. You know, very green, bright, effervescent, a little bit of sweetness on it. Um, yeah, that's a really fantastic batch. We'll be talking more about this. I can't wait to pour it for you. Right on. Well, what's on wrist? Ooh, on wrist. Um, something new. New watch alert, folks. Ooh, yeah. I want to see this. Yeah. This is uh, the Bausol Ocean Moon 4. So we've talked about these a couple times, not only together, uh, but with the, uh, the folks at Bausel. And um, this came as a little bit unexpected and as a surprise. And uh, I'm excited to share more about it. So I don't want to take up too much uh, airtime until we get to your wrist check, poor check. Um, but we'll dive more into my thoughts about this. But this is on, on the wrist. And um, it's uh, not even uh, been, been here for about six or seven days and it's been getting a lot of wrist time. So um, I'm excited to tell you more about it, but I want to hear what's on your wrist first and in your glass. Right on, right on, right on. Well, in terms of what I've actually have poured today, this is actually, um, I haven't gone to this particular well in a long time. This is the Middleton Very Rare 
So this is basically the, uh, the Irish whiskey that I keep in the house. Um, very good, very smooth after kind of doing the, the bourbon thing for the past several weeks, the nose on this is a little bit light, you know? So I've, um, I've grown accustomed to some of the, uh, the bigger, sweeter bourbons. And this is a little more kind of like a fastball down the middle. And it's a, just a really good, uh, really, really good neat pour. But as I was telling you offline before we came on, I've got like, this is a little TMI, sorry, but a little post-nasal drip. So I'm a little torn up. So I'm just taking the tiniest sips. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this. I actually got this bottle when we, uh, we closed on a construction refi to do a, an addition project on our house like two years ago. And just every once in a while, I'll, I'll open it up and take a sip. It was like a little celebratory bottle. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, we always talk about, um, at least on from the watch perspective, right? People love to mark occasions. And um, I absolutely think that you can, and, and many people do that with, you know, a special bottle. So that's pretty cool. You get to sort of think about all the trials and tribulations and successes that came from from the reno, you know, and think back to that one. You know, Irish whiskey is interesting. I'd love to deep dig, you know, more into it. I had a small taster set that had the uh, uh, the very rare um it might have even been from an iwc event and there was uh maybe a red breast um uh powers i want to i want to say yeah and, powers uh, and a few others a common whiskey yeah yeah we should dig we should dive a little deeper into that um but it sounds like a great pour yeah i mean without getting into too much detail i think the idea is irish whiskey traditionally is i pretty much by definition is triple distilled. I think pretty much all of them are, and they're mostly done over anthracite coal. So there's not a lot of smoke. Um, there's, you know, very little peat. So if you, if you don't like big scotches, um, Irish whiskey is a good way to go. And do the Irish claim to be distilling before the scotch? Is that, or am I misinterpreting something I've heard? Um, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that the whiskey tradition is from Ireland proper, but I could, you know, I could be wrong. There's Whis- um, whiskey fam, set us straight if we're if we're off base here. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, whiskey is. Um, oh man, you know what? I'm so you know I was an exchange student in Ireland, and I got like a little bit of like a pointy talky Gaelic when I was there. And I want to say, yeah, it's like the, the word is whiskey tuatha, something like that is the, the water of life. Love I it. don't have, I don't have the, uh, the search engine open, but I'll, I'll confirm that. But yeah, so I think that's a, uh, a, like an Irish Gaelic word, I think anyhow, but yeah, on the wrist is, um, is the Blanc Pond 50 fathoms bathyscaph and just, you know, a great everyday watch super under the radar. Um, dive watch connection, my friend. Yeah. Dive watch connection. Absolutely. You know, zero hype. Um, and I love that nobody knows what it is. It's just so cool. What strap do you have it on today? Um, this is actually still the, uh, the green. So this is the OEM mm-hmm. green sail sailcloth, and it's kind of like a rubberized sailcloth. So the in, internal portion, you know, is, is got more of like a, uh, a rubberized texture. And then it's, yeah, it's just on the the signed brushed uh, buckle, just pin buckle. And this watch is just sings on a good strap. So, and this is one of the best ones. It's low profile, but it's still sturdy enough. The watch is, you know, across, I mean, it's fairly big, but it's not, it's not a thick watch. I mean, it's not tall. So it, you know, it wears 
you know, thinner than you would think. You don't need a huge monster strap to balance it the way you do like a Panerai. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Or, oh man. That thing is so good. Yeah. So anyhow, that's the wrist check for check. And well, let me, um, let me share a little more thoughts on this, on this ocean moon four now that we we sort of got past the formalities, right? Do it, do it. Yeah. That's, that's technically that is the wrist check done. So stop your clock right there, bro. And then <laughs> now, now technically now we're into new watch alert. We're into, we're into, you know, the, 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 the entree. Um, so this is super interesting. This is really cool. So we, we met um, these folks at uh, LA Microlux and had, I think we've been, you know, learning about them, you know, through social and, and sort of, you know, talking to some of the folks over there, Aaron and, uh, and some of the people uh, who run the brand and we're excited to get our hands on it. So this is now, I guess, the second time that I've, you know, had it quote unquote on wrist, but, you know, in a different way, of course, um, it, it's, it's a big watch in some ways, Matt, it's, um, you know, it's 42 millimeters. I don't know to lug the lug, but you know, 42 millimeter diameters, it's got 22 millimeter lugs on it. There, there's, there's, there's short lugs and they curve down. So I think it helps kind of keep it grounded, but it's, it's about 14 and a half millimeters thick. Um, so it's got presence, you know, but it, it's, it's relatively, um, it, 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 it finds a way to sit on your wrist without feeling like a total, you know, hockey puck. Um, but I think this is their, this is the interpretation of, 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 a, of a proper tool, you know, dive watch. And so it's meant to be, you know, it's meant to fit the part. Um, you know, 316L, this has got like a gunman, what they call a gunmetal, you know, um, PVD, actually ion plated finish is, is the particular, I guess, finishing that they're using for this. So it's got this sort of stealthy look to it. Um, this is the black dial, which has got some sunray kind of situation going on. And, um, it's got an inter- uh, inner rotating bi-directional bezel for your uh, for your kind of count up, um, and and due to that you have two crowns, so you sort of get a, almost like that super compressor look, you know. You get the crown yep. at four uh, for winding and sort of course controlling you know time, and then uh, you know at two o'clock your crown for for rotating the uh, the inner bezel, and um, yeah, man, this is really fun. It's just a fun, really purpose built watch. It is. It's built. I mean, this thing has got some real solid build quality to it. There's almost like a sort of sandwich-esque approach to the dial and the loom. Um, uh, Kind of, I think uniquely, it's got the orange hand, the the minute hand is is orange rather than maybe the sweeping seconds. Um, So it gives it a little bit of character. It's got a a date at six in a a circular aperture. And um, it's got this, it's on this recycled PET plastic strap. Um, that almost gives it like a synthetic canvas feel, and um, it's got a little breaking in to do, and it's on a you know on a deployant strap. So I mean, overall, it's just a really solid package. And when you when I get a chance to put this on your wrist, I think you know I think you'll you'll see what I'm saying. It's it's got a you know this is a this is a proper dive watch I think in 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 the essence that I would know it as. And um, they've done a nice job with this. This came from I was I was lucky enough to be able to, to enjoy this from our friend over uh, at Jason at Mission 1530. So there's actually an engraving on the back. I don't know. You won't be able to see it very well right now, but I'll show it to you. And so I, I shared a post uh, a few weeks, about a month ago. He presented this each to the folks who are going to be releasing the single barrel with him through the through the program that he's, you know, doing a cost, you know, or excuse me, a, a profit share with to, to, to support the communities down in Tequila. So you know, the four brands, I'm not sure if I can say them, uh, maybe it's the, 
I don't know if he shared them publicly yet, so I, I won't say quite yet. I don't want to steal his thunder, but there's four, you know, that, you know, super prominent brands that are releasing a single barrel um, that's going to be co-branded with Mission 1530. And we talked all about it on our episode, so go back and, and, and check that out. But on in February, he was out in Tequila and he presented each of those four gentlemen, one of these, which is really cool. So it means an extra, extra something. Yeah, I won't spill the beans, but I follow um, at least one of those brands and you know, on, they had something on, you know, their feed and it showed, you know, a number of, of people walking around, you know, basically touring the facility and, and checking things out and doing a tasting. And I was like, Hey, hey that's Jason. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> obviously that was one of the brands. Um, yeah. So that was great. And yeah, again, Jason is, uh, this is a, a reference back to Jason K is a bad ombre. If you want to go back into the back catalog, that's in like the first uh, 10 or 12 episodes, you will learn a lot about um, really like high quality agave spirits and what's important to look for in high quality agave spirits by listening to that episode. It, it changed my outlook completely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, we got a lot of feedback on that one. It was, it was, I think a pretty, you know, eye opening, you know, for, for somebody to talk about it. So kind of candidly, but passionately and sort of what they were trying to accomplish. And so he's going to do great things. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe beyond this project, there's something in his future too. But uh, in the meantime, I think within the next, within this calendar year, you'll see a Reposado come out. And then I think there's an Añejo and two extra Añejos, which are all at cask strength. So you're going to have high proof single barrels from four of arguably the top producers. Um, and it'll support, you know, the communities. There's a, a profit share that, that he's doing with that. So basically, you know, he's trying to make sure there's putting money in the pockets of people who need it and who are working down there. Um, last thing before I move on, the movement in here is that uh, STP 111. Have you come across, this is the first time I've had this on the wrist. Have you come across that movement before, Matt? No, I'm, I'm not familiar with it, uh, at least not by that nomenclature. Is it a seagull movement or what's the deal? No, 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 no. This is a uh, um, STP is is a movement manufacturer right so what do they go under um uh, uh it's like a basically a, a, a an eta 2824 clone okay um and uh you know they are made by there it's part of the fossil group if i understand it correctly so it's like swiss swiss technology precision stp if i understand that correctly okay and, um, so you know yeah, yeah 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 so i probably just use some kind of you know, nomenclature, I guess, but, you know, essentially a Salida, Etta, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, kind of, um, you know, clone. Um, you know, I mean, the specs on it are, are pretty, you know, straightforward, 26 joules, 44 hours, um, and uh, it's keeping nice time. So, you know, I'll be interested to, to kind of keep an eye on it. I think it was a nice move for them to, to, to st stick with a, a nice Swiss movement, but they were able to probably go off, uh, you know, away from, from Etta and some of those other folks. So anyway, that's the last note on that one. Right on. Well, hey, I think we uh, we can kind of move on into the rest of the topics. I mean, I think one thing we need to you know just pause and acknowledge very briefly. I mean, we're not going to make a point of discussing this at this stage, you know, too much. But obviously, the elephant in the room for anybody for the past you know week is that there is a you know there's an actual kinetic shooting war, and people are are losing their lives in Eastern Europe, Ukraine, and um, you know we just want to acknowledge that that's a thing that's happening. Um, not really sure how it's going to affect the hobby per se, but obviously it's affecting all different kinds of, um, aspects of life, you know, from, from, you know, the economy to travel to, you know, 
all sorts of things. And, you know, certainly it's, um, there's a lot happening with it. Uh, you know, it's, it's in my wheelhouse as a personal interest, but I'm going to just kind of keep that stuff away from here and away from the podcast. We, you know, this is a, a good thing, a hobby thing and a a fun opportunity to escape. So we're not going to, you know, talk about it too much, but Greg and I decided we should at least acknowledge that. Yes, (laughs) this, you know, we are aware and, uh, you know, just hoping for a, is, rapid a resolution as possible with you know the least loss of additional life going forward yeah i mean i get i echo that sentiment and um you know our hobby is exactly that a hobby um but it's been really neat to see people uh find ways to support you know um ukraine and and the people there and you know whether it's you know something like purchasing a strap from a strap maker over there or booking an Airbnb for any number of nights. Of course, they're not going to that. They're just trying to put money in, in people's pockets, um, you know, to awareness, to, you know, even pointing out there, I guess there was some controversy on sort of a well-known watch uh, strap account, uh, sort of pointing out some things that maybe uh, people would just want to know if, you know, if they're interested in, in sort of, uh, you know, interacting with the community in certain ways. So anyway, um, that's uh, you know all to say. Sending sending the best over to everybody and anybody that's impacted by us. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, enough with that. That's our sort of our conflict PSA, um, and I don't mean to make that sound flippant, but you know that is kind of what that is. Um, on the other hand, though, we do have some actual watch news. You know, usually we try not to be on this particular show, right, to be kind of a slave to the the drops and the news and stuff. But we woke up this morning. This is our planned recording day, and there was a lot of stuff. Right, it was last week was kind of Seamaster Mania, and there were a lot of you know hints and teases. And boy, we got some some good stuff today from Omega. What do you think? I think uh, so. The 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 background text threads and, and, and everything were, were firing away for the last couple of days as people were either a, you know, pontificating on, on where Omega was going to be, or, or even had some, maybe some slight knowledge of, of maybe what to expect and, and to see it drop like that on a Monday early morning, uh, was kind of fun. It's, uh, it gives us a lot to think about, talk about, you know, argue about, uh, Essentially, right now we're just <laughs> reacting to renderings, which is always a cool thing. Uh, and the caveat is, I reserve any and full any in full judgment until I see these pieces in the metal. But uh, it's fun. It's a uh, it's a fun drop, and I think Omega is a brand that you know you and I really appreciate. Any number of people really do, but when they do something, I think you know our ears perk up. So we got a lot to talk about. What do you, what are you thinking? Where, where should we dive in? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things. So rather than kind of try to get into any kind of depth with everything, I mean, just a quick surface overview, right? You know, we saw, I think the obvious thing that was teased most aggressively was this new, right? The um, the Planet Ocean Ultra Deep. And there's a variety of those, including I think a, uh, a titanium spec one. And then the others, I think are all going to be a proprietary steel. So there's several of those. There's a whole raft of those watches. Super cool. Um, a bunch of new Aquaterra colors and a new format and and definitely some changes to that watch. Like there's some cool things that I think are being added to that and maybe a few, I mean, I think of it as a feature delete because I like the teak dial. I, not, I know not everybody did. I do too. Um, 
Yeah. So my understanding is that some of the dials or some of the models are retaining that as an option. I think maybe the bigger ones, but the, I think the smaller ones, maybe not, or maybe these are just, you know, standalones. Um, but the flat dials, you know, uh, do look very cool. There's multiple speed masters. There's a new Seamaster pro in green. So it's like, I don't know if that's their, you know, take on a Hulk or, or, or what, but it, it looks pretty good. Um, you know, I think there's also, if I'm not mistaken, multiple constellations, um, mostly ladies models, smaller models, you know, that are like in the, you know, sub 30, but I think there's at least one or two, you know, more traditionally kind of male oriented sizes. And, and my God, there's that gold speed master. It's like, that just sets the house on fire. I don't know what you thought. Did you see that one? I mean, that's incredible. You know, I saw that one late. I think early this morning I caught uh, the Ultra Deeps. I caught um, the Speedmaster 57s and I caught the Aquaterras. And so it was as we were, as I was thinking about, what, you know, where I was going to land on these for, for our recording, that's where my mind space was, was pretty much centered around. And then <laughs> that you hit me with that gold right before we got on. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's a... That's a home run, man. That thing's that thing's got some real real pull. Yeah, I I haven't decided what the vibe is for that one. I'm gonna have to hold off on talking about it right now because there's probably a lot more that I'll have to say once I think about it and kind of you know think about where it fits or or what milieu it's supposed to float around in. Um, you know, we I think we kind of casually decided we would each maybe pick one of these drops and talk about it at a little bit of length. The one that I wanted to dive into was that Speedmaster 57. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit. You, I don't think you were not a fan of the sandwich dial Fotina one. Is that right? It just doesn't hit me. Uh, I, if I'm just talking initial reactions, right? I think if we want to get into what it means, what it represents, where it's a kind of return to, um, and, and spec wise, uh, different story, but if I'm just immediate reaction, um, in the renderings, don't love that decision. Um, you know, in terms of, of addressing the, the, the loom. Um, but all that to say, I can get past it. It's not a deal breaker to me, but it's, it certainly wouldn't be preferable. Yeah, I like it. I like it as a choice. Um, it's not the one that I would pick. I would pick one of the two color dials that um, would be kind of traditional. So I would probably go either blue or like the green. The burgundy looks like it might be a little a little much. Um, but folks, if you haven't seen this yet, uh, and I'm sure most of you probably have, I mean, I think to me, the thing that speaks to me the most is this new movement, right? So the the outgoing version or the previous you know version of this watch was bigger. The case dimensions were a millimeter larger, you know, in terms of um, diameter, but it was also an automatic watch. So this new version is a hand wound and with the hand cranker, they get it quite a bit thinner. It's, I think something like 3.1 millimeter, something like that, um, less in height. So when you take a shave a little bit off the diameter and an appreciable amount off the height, it ends up being just a much more svelte watch. And to me, that is um, that makes all the difference. And I'm I'm loving that the idea that watch watch companies are finding ways to make really good offerings that are a little bit thinner. I don't I don't need a thin watch. I don't care. But 
you know, if it, if it doesn't have to be 16 millimeters, that would be nice. And it, this one is great. So I think the blue dial is good. And interestingly, they really, I think they nailed the date execution on this. I know everybody loves to hate the date, but this is nicely placed. It's kind of out of the way at six. The window like looks, it. the renders make the window look bezeled or bezeled, beveled, sorry. Um, you know, and there's a dark colored date disc in there. So it's just, it's about as good as you can get at this price point without being really, really well done, you know, with a lot of handwork to integrate it. But I like it. I think this is my favorite of the drops. Um, and it's, it's the one that would probably have me like most tempted. They, I'm looking at the, the website right now for Omega and they do not do a very good job at all in terms of selling the strap on, or I'm sorry, not the strap, but the bracelet on this. So you've got, you know, what looks like, um, you know, a, a lightly tempered, tempered, tapered, dude, I had an ounce of booze. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a, a lightly tapered flat link kind of bracelet, you know, similar That's to right. like the, the Ed whites and stuff like that, but it's got some adjustability to it. It's just everything you would want in, in that watch, except maybe so a you the micro adjust watch. built into that, right? The toolless micro adjust. Yeah, but there's I you know I don't see any mention of that. It, that was on Fratello. They broke it down, yeah. but you know Omega. I don't at least as far as I can tell does not talk about it. And to me, that's an enormous selling point. I'd agree with you. I'd agree yeah. with you. And everybody, you know, I feel like that's been something micro brands been doing really nicely for a while now, and sort of pushing the envelope. And you know, people have been sort of hitting their pounding their fists on the table, saying when are some of the big boys going to wake up and, and start to address some of these, you know, bracelet, you know, uh, kind of upgrades that everybody's been looking for. And I think this is a, a, a prime example. They should be celebrating that a little bit more. Oh yeah, totally. It's a, it's a really good bracelet. I'm surprised you, you would have went with one of the colors. I don't, it, I didn't, if, if you were to ask me what you, what you would have picked, I, I certainly would not have expected you to say, uh, blue or green, but I like that. I like that about you. Yeah, man, I would take all of them. Um, or any of them, but, uh, you know, just, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I would love to have like one of these in the green dial or the blue dial. I think the blue dial probably. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I, uh, I could easily see either one. I like the blue. I like the blue. Um, can't wait to see them in person. I wonder when, I wonder when they're going to hit the shelves. Yeah. Well, I, we have a phone call to make. I mean, I'll, I'll call the uh, the good folks at Feldmar. Jimmy, are you listening, Jamie? Um, and you know, find out when the the expected dates. You know, that was one thing last year. I think a lot of brands had stuff in stores right after the drops. You know, so we we got a little spoiled maybe last year with stuff like Tudor and whatnot. But hopefully, Omega won't keep us waiting. Yeah, it'd be nice to 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 be able to experience them and and uh, and be able to decide you know, what, what really suits us, um, you know, moving from, I guess, you know, space to, to see this ultra deep and the planet ocean updates. This is pretty fun. Yeah. I, um, I thought I worried that it was going to be bigger. You know, there were rumors mm-hmm. out there that it was going to be some variation on, you know, that ultra deep spec watch, you know, that they used as a project, um, like, you know, technology demonstrator and, you know, that it would be, 
that it would exist, that they'd make it, but that it would not really be wearable. And this is, you know, for me, this is arguably not really wearable, but I'd like to try yeah. it. You know, I mean, I have, I have an enormous Seiko that actually wears pretty well. This might be like that. I mean, I think this is a compelling alternative to, and I don't like to compare Omega to Rolex, but this is one where it is kind of an, an apt comparison, um, especially yeah. with that, that, that blue gradient one, right? hundred percent. I mean, this to me is like, you, like you said, maybe try to avoid that just because it seems like a, I don't want to call I want to say lazy, but too convenient of a narrative to say, you know, Omega versus Rolex, but this is absolutely Rolex versus Omega, you know, from like you said, the blue gradient dial to sort of the pettiness of, you know, trying to race to the bottom of the, of the, of the ocean. Um, I love it. I'm here for it. This is fun. This is a fun kind of comparison to me. This is a fun kind of pettiness in some ways. You know, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, and I think probably this is not going to be a shocker, but Omega continues to sort of rise above in terms of technology, um, and, and sort of pushing boundaries and in, in sort of the, what they're providing on, uh, in, in sort of their, you know, even their regular sport models to then something like this and, um, you know, proprietary materials and technologies and, and of course, you know, their movements, you know, are, are, are all sort of, you know, in that same family that are, they've been given, you know, their proper, you know, uh, 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 justice and, and sort of glory on the 8500s. I mean, this is awesome. Omega's just pushing the envelope and I'm here for it. I love it. Keep keep going. Yeah, just looking at the specs real fast. This is their, um, the Omega's caliber 8912. So this is 60 hours power reserve, the coax. Um just you know really cool looking movement a lot of the as you said all the good technology the technological goodies that they pack into this thing i love the fact that it's got the full three six nine twelve at the cardinal yeah. indices that just looks so cool but for me the one you know there's multiple um colorways multiple variants the the dark dial with that like really um heavily saturated orange bezel that's the fun one have you did you see that one you like that one? Yeah. Yeah. That just seems like that's just so in your face. It is. It is. It's sort of, it's got the planet ocean sort of DNA, right. With sort of the colorways and um, yeah, I can see where you could go with that one. I, I keep coming back to the blue gradient, the blue black gradient. I think that one is, is, you know, pretty fun. The, 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 I guess it's like a gray dial with a, the very turquoise sort of Charlotte Hornets blue. That one's pretty fun too, in a more subdued way. I guess where the the orange one, like you mentioned, is a, a much louder approach. Um, they're all pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's almost like the the modern deep sea from Rolex is drunk Johnny Ringo, you know, rambling around <laughs> the streets and Tombstone, daring anybody to take him on. And this new thing, this new Planet Ocean, is Doc Holliday stepping away from the barber's chair. Like, all right, let's do this. I'll be your Huckleberry. So, yeah, totally. So let's talk about the materials, right? Because you got two options. Is that yeah, you know, right? We've got we, you can go either titanium and a new Omega steel. Yeah, I mean, I have to think by definition, right? The titanium is going to feel a lot better on wrist, but I think the titanium version is only going to be available on a strap. It's got that. Um, I think they're calling it like the the Manta lugs. And I think actually, as much as I didn't like this on the Tudor FXD, 
um, and I don't love it on this. I think that Omega did a better job by actually splitting, you know, and putting a little channel um, in that, uh, you know, the lug bar or whatever you want to call it. But you know, the the pass through itself has a like a perpendicular cut on each side. And the idea is, I believe you can, depending on the exact type of strap, like, so you'd be able to use an MN strap by, you know, literally pushing it in there and which is, I would think, open up some possibilities for you. Um, you know, just make, make things a little bit easier or give you a few more options. But That's a good I, point. Yeah. It would, it would be lighter clearly on wrist, but I think the play would be to get the steel, you know, the, this proprietary Omega steel they're calling it and, um, and just get it on a bracelet. I think it's, it adds like 200 bucks to get it on a bracelet. I would do that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the K shapes differ slightly between the two. Is that right? Is the titanium, the sort of asymmetrical with the kind of intention of kind of crown guard, you know, crown guard approach to, to sort of non- You know, in the renders that I'm looking at, I'm not seeing it that difference, but I do see, you know, obviously there's a difference with the lugs. Let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, it looks like maybe the the actual dimensions and the profile does look slightly different, but again, it's it's it may be just a way the light plays on these renders cuz they they just, you know, put it on like a a white background. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to see them first before I said anything definitive, but yeah, for me, uh, the steel with the, the orange bezel, that's the, that's the move. That's the one. That's cool. I love it. Well, certainly, um, you know, some heavy duty diving artillery here on your wrists. <laughs> that's pretty great. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I would, I would love that. But on the other end of the spectrum, and again, we're not going to like go and literally hit every one of these, but the, the other one, that's the big one, I, I think, you know, the more mass market appeal for most people is going to be the Aquaterra. You know, my first reaction just real quickly is awesome. Great. I mean, we're seeing everybody have a lot of fun with colors. You know, we saw the OPs sort of go bonkers. Um, over these and then you know of course a bunch of other stuff and uh i feel like people are constantly harassing omega to fill in the gap to where you know maybe rolex once stood or where were they expect rolex to be and so in this instance i think they just did precisely that here's a bunch of fun bright interesting colors um on a on a watch that everybody already loves and uh and go have at it have fun yeah, why not, right? You know, um, sometimes the brands listen, and this seems to be one of those cases where I think they have, at least to the market, you know, where there's a there's a, clearly a demand for a watch that's like this, and the Aquaterra has already been that watch, but now you know it's just, I don't know, it's available. It's a little more you know fun in that smaller size, the thirty eight and the thirty. I guess the other is thirty four. Yeah, but um, I think the the in, most interesting thing that I saw about the redesign was how the the bracelet is going to be redone. Did you get a chance to look at that? No, I didn't. 
So the way it's been described, and I've seen a little bit in terms of pictures, is that it's going to be a more rounded link design. And I think that's actually going to end up being a lot more like the bracelet you have on your Railmaster. Ah, uh, you're correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great bracelet. Really, really comfortable. It really is a good one. So yeah, if I think you that's want, a good move. I think it's a really nice move. Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to naturally compare this to the OP, but I I don't think that's I don't think that really works. I think the the Aquaterra has always been its own thing, and if if anything, I think it stands. It's like the the thing that stands above an explorer and way above an oyster perpetual. How do you feel about losing the teak dial? So I, I think we are losing the teak dial in some, re- or some like, I don't know what the word is, like, you know, not references, but I think in some like uh, color and case size combinations, I think the teak dial goes away, but I think in some it does not. Um, but that's only what I've heard. I, I would like to see like a list of the SKUs and see what's available. Cause as far as I know, these might just be stand alongside reference numbers. These new ones with the kind of the flat, you know, sunray sun, what do you call it? Sunray finished dials. Um, they might not actually replace anything. They just might be, you know, standalones and which In would not be uncommon for Omega, right? Cause they have tons of references. Oh my gosh. I read somewhere today that there was like literally several hundred SKUs. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge number. So I don't know. I, I like the teak dial. I think it adds kind of a richness and it's one of those things that just makes it feel like a, a nicer product in hand Me too. compared to, you know, some of the other things that are out there, like in that, in that same size and use case class. Now, did, have, they, did, they, did they change any of the finishing? Are we like full polished on here? I want to say there's a, it, it seems like a little bit of a brighter approach approach to to the case finishing. I think for these references, yeah, I think it is a mm-hmm. full polish. Yeah. Good and bad. I mean, fine. it gives you another level. Yeah, it gives you a sort of a luxe feel. Um, you know, probably attracts a few scratches and dings, but that's okay. Gives its character. Yeah, it might it might look a little bit jarring to have like a you know a case with two, two or even three different like uh, uh, finish surface types with a a dial that is um, flat but at the same time kind of shiny. I'm assuming that this finish is going to be shiny visually, and that it's going to be kind of reflective. So um, I don't know. I would probably want to see it both ways, but. I don't know. I'm I'm agnostic on a full polished case versus you know multiple surface types. I don't care. Yeah, you I know, I, I tend to I, I tend to appreciate some mixing of brushed and polished surfaces for whatever reason. I think I just like the play um, between the the you know the reflection and and sort of the just the the I guess the um, what I would describe almost as texture, even though it's I'm, we're talking visually. Um, and then I guess I've always just worried about full polish in terms of just my own you know. You know, beaten up on them kind of mentality, but uh, either way, you know, I think it's, it's a good move. There's some some new sort of proprietary technology they're using for these dial colors too. Is that right? Did you catch some of that? You know what I did? Not enough to expound on, but yeah, I mean, I think these are going to be uh, mostly PVD treatments to the dials, mm-hmm. and then I think you know it's um, 
that you know physical vapor deposition. And I think what they're going to do then is apply some kind of a, a a treatment to get the surface effect, and then it's it's sealed with some kind of you know uh, surfacant or something you know on top of it. Maybe a I I don't I hesitate to use the word lacquer, but you know something like that. Yeah. More or less, yeah. You know, but but to give it, yeah, you know, some kind of protection and gloss, and maybe give it even some some UV protection. Um, but I think they look cool. What is your like? If you could pick one today, what dial color do you like? Ooh, great question. Um, that blue is kind of neat. It's not a blue that I typically gravitate toward because it's sort of this like, well, at least in the rendering, sort of this slate blue, gray blue. I like a little more like blue pop. Um, you know, if I had to quickly. This art, whatever they're calling it, it's like a terracotta, um, which is, I guess, sort of like that reddish, right, that they're going for. Yeah. And then the, this, well, there's a red and an orange. I'm looking at all these dial, oh, the colors are, are fun, <laughs> fun names like saffron and terracotta and sandstone. Uh, the, oh, I'm just going to say the orange, I'm calling it orange. It's not a super, you know, de- uh, it's not a super bright orange. It's sort of like a a muted orange an orange and a red. Those are the ones that stand out to me. The orange is almost like salmony, but the saturation is dialed up. Uh, it's cool. I don't think I've seen that on a lot of places, uh, on a lot of dials. The red is really neat. It's, it's bright. It's quite bright. It's like stop light, stop light, red, bright. And I don't know how I could pull it off, but uh, red, red's been cool lately. Red might be the new green. Red might be like sort of the dial color that pe- people are running toward these days. What do you think? I don't know. I'd have to see it. I think the red is a little, um, for me, it's a, maybe a bridge too far, you know, color wise. I like, I like the blue. I like the green. It's still kind of conservative adjacent. Um, it's different. I do, like you said, I kind of, I'd love to see in person what that saffron color looks like. Cause that could be cool. Cause that's one of those. It's like, is it orange? Is it gold? Uh, it's cool. I, I don't yeah. see, I don't, I can't recall off the top of my head another dial that I kind of, it doesn't look like it's done anywhere else that I can recall. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to these a lot. This is probably, um, I, I, I'm curious in it, like a couple of years, will they do, you know, some kind of like two-tone bimetal, you know, variant of any of these because the, the two-tone steel and gold Aquateras are sharp and, I don't know if any of these colors would lend themselves to that or if, I mean, they just might be next level cool. Well, I mean, if any indication how people feel about two-tone these days, and I think it's probably definitely in development somewhere. I mean, it's, it's hot. People, people love two-tone for good reason. I mean, everything cyclical and what was, you know, popular in the seventies, you know, and eighties that maybe dropped out in the nineties and beyond is, is sort of back again. So yeah, I, I'd imagine so. Yeah, totally. It's um I don't know. Yeah, like you said, you know, what's uh what's old is new again or whatever, but I don't know. I pretty much like all these. Omega's, you know, I'm I make no bones about it. They're one of my favorite big brands and I was happy to see all this stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too actually. I think you know, for whatever you want to say about whoever's releases, you know, some of them could be pretty boring and stayed. Some of them, you know, maybe missed the mark. Um this one, this has got a lot of fun stuff. It's got a lot of fun stuff. And it seemed to, maybe some people were in the know, but I don't think, I don't think most people had a, a firm sense of what exactly to expect. And I'm really curious to hear people's reactions now moving forward. You know, if, if, if it, 
if it did what they were hoping to, uh, you know, what they were hoping to see and if it's getting them excited. Yeah, well, we shall see again, you know, uh, paging, paging Feldmar, pick up the white courtesy phone. Let ding, us know ding, when ding, we ding. can come in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Anyhow. Well, hey, that's I probably enough about Omega. I think we said we we're just going to you know, talk about one and we ended up diving in a little bit, but there's a lot to see. And yeah, you know, we didn't I, even hit everything either. Oh, no, not even close. Not even close. Um, just go check out that. Just go check out that gold. It's, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gold. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's no doubt there's going to be a huge raft of, of content on the, you know, the bigger blog sites. So the Fratellos and Hodinkies and, and actually dude, speaking of this, did we say we were going to talk about this, but the, that piece on Hodinkie about a week or so ago from the, um, what was the title? I really didn't like watches. Then I bought a Royal Oak. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to chat about yeah. that for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting, I thought it was an interesting study and and where you fall these days on on certain topics you know we've touched on it you know in our port in a storm episode and we've been even last episode we were kind of railing on you know how to avoid hype or or also just kind of where some of watch journalism has been these days it's you know kind of the same three or four topics about you know alternative to this or you know this is why this is you know not fun anymore um this is an interesting article so Okay, let me. Just, I'm gonna catch people up to speed in case they they hadn't they haven't read it yet or or they're just kind of blanking on it. Um, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So the article is written um, by this guy who is the editor in chief of High Snub Snobiety Snobiety. Am I saying that correctly? I, I I'm gonna to have to enunciate really clearly, but I think it's High Snobriety. Okay. Okay. Shows you how much I know about it. I actually had to, to visit the site afterwards to see sort of what they're all about, but essentially, you know, I think they're sort Same. of this, you know, hype culture, uh, streetwear, et cetera, et cetera. You read the title, right. And you're, you know, the title is, I didn't really like watches like Matt said, and then I bought a Royal Oak and you're like, Hmm. Okay. I mean, this seems like another Royal Oak centric episode or, 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 or article. And as I read it, not knowing who this guy was, not really knowing where he was going to take the article, um, I just liked the writing. I thought he was a really engaging writer. And the crux of it is exactly what the title sounds like. He was not a watch person. And then he bought a Royal Oak and now he considers himself, you know, a watch person. However you define that collector, enthusiast, owns one watch, whatever it is. But there was some really cool Easter eggs, and I don't want to say Easter eggs, they weren't hidden, but like things if you were going to pick them out were really, I thought, rang true, at least to me. And so I'm going to read just a couple quotes, not, not a lot. But at one point early in the article, he says, if I were to sum up my former distaste for watches into an elevator pitch, it'd be this. Watches yearn for a world that doesn't exist. Watches pine for a reality where nobody has an iPhone. Watches pretend you actually need blah, 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 blah. That was really simple, but true, right? Like, we talk like we, we, we kind of circular talk about this in a circular way a lot. We don't need these little things on our wrists, especially in 2022. And so I think as watch hobbyists, enthusiasts, collectors, whatever you are, we kind of yearn for a world where you need a chrono function, where you need a depth rating, where you need whatever, you know, annual calendar, whatever GMT, 
complication that you want to, you know, hang your hat on, we kind of yearn for a world where that's needed. And that's cool. We're a very romantic bunch. I've said it before. I'll continue saying it. It sort of defines who we are, in my opinion. Even if you're a really pragmatic tool watch kind of person, you're still romantic, in my opinion. Um, kind of further on, this is the last thing I'm going to share, but, but this is kind of why I, I just liked his writing and sort of his, his sort of perspective. He writes, uh, for any of us, a watch is a personal talisman, an accessory that actually moves, conveying expression and staying on your person despite what clothes you're wearing. When correctly chosen, it offers a feeling of completeness that some derive from their car or their handbag or that blockchain primate in the profile picture. It feels good, right? That's why I think the well, the main reason that any of us wear these things, love these things, it makes us feel good. Like it's either aesthetically pleasing, it performs a job or a function that we needed to accomplish. It has a meaning. It's attached to something. It just feels good. So I stopped there, right? I read the article. I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of interesting, right? And then he goes into this. I picked the AP Royal Oak and, you know, I, you go through this. And you're like, oh, okay, not a super creative, you know, choice to, to kind of enter the world of, of, of watches in 2022. And, and then... Um, you know, he kind of goes through his his rationale for 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 picking it, and then you get into the comment section, and that's where the fun really begins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, suffice it to say, um, and certainly there were plenty of supportive comments, but he, he got roasted. I mean, uh, he just it was got like he got he got ratioed. Got- yeah, as the Twitter as the Twitter community says, he got ratioed. I mean, you know, it was it was eighty eighty to ninety percent negative <laughs> comments and ten percent supportive. Yeah, for sure. The, it, people were just lining up to smoke check this poor guy. I, you know, I think the interesting thing about it was not so much the article. I think you took some interesting things away, and I totally agree. I just think that the the value of the article and and the commentary, the comments after, was the extent to which that thing serves as like a Rorschach test for how you're looking at things right now as a collector or what have you. Um, because I mean on its own, you know, five years ago, if he said, yeah, I, I, I didn't know about watches and now I do. And I bought a Royal Oak, you know, people wouldn't really care. You know, Royal Oak was generally more accessible, you know, than, than it is now. I think, um, you know, I would hold up my hand and say, yeah, there's a certain amount on some level of like jealousy that somebody has the ability to do that. Cause presumably this is, you know, somebody who's going to go out and pay the real street price which is yeah, not, yeah. not, yeah, not reasonable anymore. No. Um, but I think also really more and not specific to Royal Oak, but especially, you know, in our case, you know, stuff like Rolex, it's not jealousy, it's resentment. You know, this stuff was available all day long to people like us, um, not long ago. And, you know, the pricing, the availability, the hype around it is, it's, yeah, it's just, I think it's personally, it's bad for the hobby. You know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were, I think, overly harsh with this dude. <laughs> you know, good on him if he's if he's in a position to do it. And, you know, hey, you know, it's just his his entry point is, you know, pretty spectacular. I agree with you. Not, you know, not, uh, I mean, literally probably the, the hypest thing you could find. But I mean, if that's from somebody who runs a hype magazine, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah. it's on brand, I guess. Yeah, yeah. the The jaded part of me was like, you know, this whole thing was engineered for clicks. You know, it was the the, right. the posed picture. I I will have to say that the picture looked like, People hey, you know, here's picture. 
here's here's a middle finger to all of you. <laughs> Somebody yeah, had to yeah. know what that would look like and how that would be received. <laughs> the picture I don't know how to describe it. He's he's basically you know he's got this he's got the the AP on his wrist and a sweat you know hooded a hoodie. He's drinking kind of an iced coffee, just staring into the into the camera. It's I don't know. It's hard to describe, but yeah, it's kind of a I don't know. Not great. F you proles. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but really when you when you get down to it and read what he wrote, there's nothing objectionable. It's just how how do you view things right now? And I think that the comments are a perfect kind of encapsulation of how, you know, people in the hobby are feeling right now. Yeah. And, you know, I don't wade into the comments that often, to be really frank. Um, I don't do it almost anywhere. I don't do it on Hodinkee. I don't do it anywhere in my life because the comments are <laughs> comments are a very scary place sometimes. I respond to our comments. Uh, but, I mean, they're, you know, they range from basically there was a whole, like, I, I put them into buckets. There was a bucket of people who basically were like, this dude sucks. Um, you know, how unoriginal Hodinkee you're, you know, you're losing your way. That was one bucket. The next bucket was a play on the title. So people would say, I wasn't into, and then I bought a, so I wasn't into watches and then I bought a Royal Oak. I wasn't into cars and then I bought a Bugatti. <laughs> and there's a whole, there's a whole sub community of people just play riffing on the title with their own, you know, <laughs> their own flavor. <laughs> and then there was a subsection, a whole bucket of people who were hating on the, how he used uh, uh, the design and architecture term brutal because he talked about the the design of the Royal Oak being brutal to him and brutalist and what it meant to him. And there was a whole subsection of people sort of defining how wrong he was about using brutal and, 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 and <laughs> in terms of design and architecture. It's, it was good. It was good, good entertainment. Yeah, definitely wait into the comments of anything like that at your own risk, unless it's Bremont. I, I will wait into the Bremont comments. I lace them up, you know, and uh, get my chin strap on. It's fun. Let Anyhow. me say this before I let this one go. It, it, listen, I don't think the guy's choice is super original. I don't think it's super creative. I think in some ways it sort of continues to perpetuate what we talk about, this echo chamber of only a few, you know, things that are cool and interesting when in reality there's a lot more things that are cool and interesting and and nobody should feel like they need to obtain something that's unobtainium, you know, that they should be able to enjoy things that they fit their personality and their budget and they should be able to enjoy them and enjoy them how they like. But all that to say, this dude got a watch that he thinks is awesome. And the way he wrote about it is a way that we feel about our own watches. And I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, he's got a watch he likes and if it helps him to understand why we, you know, we, the collective, we do the things we do in this hobby. I think that's probably a good thing. Agreed. Agreed. So we got, before we move into sort of closing out, should we tease some things that we've been working on sort of behind the scenes with some, some friends and some peers? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we want to let the cat out of the bag too much, especially since, you know, there's a lot of um, plans that are not firm and, you know, schedules change and, and priorities change and, and the world changed a lot in the past like eight or 10 days. Um, you know, so we'll, I'm sure we'll have different things, you know, come and go, but yeah, I think, um, well, here, why don't you discuss it and, and, you know, bring it up a little bit. Well, I don't think it's any secret to people that listen to us. They're a lot of them probably also listen to, of course, uh, our friends, the Out of Time podcast, who have been supportive of us from day one and helped kick to, helped us kick, kick this thing off. And we've done several joint episodes with them. 
And then, uh, of course, you know, we've been really friendly and, uh, and enjoyed some back and forth banter with both uh, Rich Cheese Radio and Whiskey and Watches. And in some ways, Whiskey and Watches was also a, another uh, podcast that helped us get our, our feet under us. And so they're, they've been friends, I think, from, from the very beginning. And, and Bro, Bro Dinky was one of our esteemed guests and alumni of our podcast. Um, he recently had me on his pod, by the way, Matt. I was on yesterday with uh, Bro Dinky and Faux Dinky. Uh, I was the only non-dinky on the pod, uh, filling in for Schmidt, I think, who's on some business travel. So that episode should drop next week. You couldn't adopt some kind of nom de guerre like G Dinky or Greg Dinky or Time and Tequila Dinky. I don't. I should have. I should have been a little bit more creative about this. Whoa, Dinky! <laughs> uh, but I think you know people who listen to us typically. I think you either are aware of or also listen to some of those other pods too. And so we've been sort of informally supporting each other because that's what we do. It's a sort of a little bit of a, a family in that way. Um, and I think we're just thinking of ways that we can do that on a more consistent and regular basis. And so watch out for some things where maybe there's some, you know, more guest appearances. Maybe there's some some topics that we might all consider in different ways and present it to, to everybody. We don't quite know exactly what it all means, but... Um, we're excited on on what it might look like. Right on, yeah. Watch this space. We'll see how it develops. But we've already got you know ideas for you know recording something next week, and it, it should be cool. Anyway, what do you think? Well, let's uh, wrap this up and head on to uh, final notes and recommendations and stuff. Let's take it home. Let's start with you, Matt. What do you got? So, I had hoped to um, to travel each of the last like two summers, and you know, COVID gets in the way of that, and just makes it kind of a hassle. And, you know, frankly, who knows what's going to happen at the risk of sounding, you know, like somebody who put their foot in it recently about having a vacation spoiled. But the fact is the world may be, you know, there may be a lot of upheaval still in in the coming months. Um, So I find solace in this. This is basically, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think most people are familiar with Rick Steves, you know, very, very famous, highly prolific travel writer and a, so. you know, a, a video log guy, one of the, the earliest big video log travel log guys um, going back to the 90s. And every few years, if you, you know, make a modest donation on PBS or possibly even through his website, um, you can actually get, you know, a boxed set. And I'm I'm holding this right now, Greg. This is probably 10 CDs, you know, with a combined, it's over a hundred episodes of Rick Steves. So if you want to get like that, you know, just kind of that travel fix when you can't get out of the country, um, I don't know. That's a uh, a good thing to kind of go back and and revisit that archive because he's got some great, great content. This is like 16 years worth of shows, many episodes, and it's it's all European travel. It's a lot of fun. And I think it's it's maybe 50 bucks, something like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I hope uh, I was just talking with somebody over the weekend and asking if they had any summer travel plans. And they were basically saying the same, just hoping to get out and uh, had a, you know plans that were canceled or changed or whatever. And I was just super glad that we got a chance to get out last summer. It was sort of a crapshoot. You you planned it with the caveat that it may or may not work out and, and you hope that it does. And I think we just caught a good time in the air. And anyway, I hope you can too this year and uh, we can talk about it. Yeah, totally. So how about you? What have you got to recommend for us? Uh, 
Ah, two little fun things, little nuggets, I suppose. One, I wanted to give a shout out to another podcast, actually, the the Rico's Watches podcast. Um, he's been doing a two-part series with um, the gentleman from Paris Scope, um, which is, I think, known to a lot of people. So this is not really new. And actually, maybe, did Riz Cheese hit on this? One of their, some of their favorite content people? I think they did, actually, yeah. Just a few weeks so ago. The, that's right. So that was the first time he, he, he came up for me. I, I was not familiar with the account or the website, the blog before that. And so it was just on my radar at that point because um, Bro and Schmidt had mentioned it. And then Eric is interviewing the gentleman for a two-part series. And I really appreciated it because it's it's long form. I mean, they had to break it into two, two episodes. It's probably like an hour, uh, two, three hours worth of, of interview. But I mean, the, he's really going on a deep dive from... Panerai, how they begun to where they are now. And it was sort of a historical look back and then also sort of a, a, a current look at the Richemont um, kind of story. And uh, I knew he was super cool. I started reading some of his articles after Rich Cheese mentioned, but to hear it in audio form has been really neat. And this guy is just, I mean, super, super informed. Um, and so, you know, shout out to, uh, to Rico's Watch Podcast for giving him uh, a microphone to sort of say it in a, in an audio format. So I've been enjoying that. Um, really sorted history. I mean, which I've sort of had sort of the, I had some cliff notes, I suppose, but to hear it laid out, you know, as presented by this gentleman is pretty neat. Last thing I'll leave you with is, uh, Hey, do you see Jeff Goldblum posted a picture of his, uh, custom, um, black PVD coated Melgaus with a Jurassic park logo on the case back? I did not, but that sounds cool. <laughs> sounds cool as hell. All you can see is the case back with the Jurassic Park logo, the dino, you know, the T-Rex. Uh, but you can see, you know, the the, the coding on the case. Uh, I, I don't know if there's pictures of it elsewhere. He he posted on his account. Um, it's pretty rad. I'll send it to you. Go check it out, everybody. It's pretty neat. I've been bugging my kids. We have to watch that movie. They've never seen it. And they, they show no like interest in wanting to see it. I'm like, come on, you have to. That's like a, a massive cultural touchstone from the 90s. You, you've you got to see it soon. You've got to. You've got to. And the new one, I think, is coming out, right? So um gives you a good reason to, to, to fire up a couple of the other. Well, the first one's great. Um, after that, maybe a little suspect. But the first one is absolutely a must. Yeah, that's the one. Right on. Well, that's good stuff, man. We are, uh, we're just past an hour, so I think we'll probably wrap it, but it's good to see you, man. Hope everything goes good for the rest of your week and we'll, uh, we'll chat again on the next one. Looking forward to it, man. Cheers. Cheers to you. Last sip. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.